We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. How does it feel to be a guest, the best guest in the history of the Dynasty Trade Guest? And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast brought to you by my FFPC. I, as always, am your host, Eric Bertzloff. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season, 40 to 75% off everything, plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99, logo styles from $16.99, and jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did wait, you wait, just oh. channelize Eric Bertzloff on what the a, show? Wait. What, did you just what, bring me here? Where I was just hanging out at my house, guys. What? How did this happen? <laughs> What is going on? We got Eric back like two weeks after we had the most sad goodbye ever, but he is here. Yeah, well, I mean, sad goodbye was definitely true. There was definitely a sad goodbye, and then Nathan just just going for gut punches on the way out with the Jeff Miller statements, which, by the way, <laughs> Nathan, was 100% factual. So I was laughing very heartily <laughs> at my desk. It was it was. It was very, very good. That's absolutely true. I definitely did have a vision with Jeff Miller. He told me no, and Nathan was my consolation prize. But my God, has it worked <laughs> out? <laughs> yes. And just to be clear, so, um, Eric is on a, as a guest tonight. He may come back in the future, but uh, I didn't want Dan's uh, you know announcement to make you oh Eric's back, and then everyone would resubscribe to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, see, the Nathan, you're doing it wrong. So you, we throw that at the end, and then we just let people wait. It'd be like what we needed was like a cliffhanger to be like, hey, find out. Later in the show, if Eric's going to be here full time. All right. And then we just go on talking about the draft. That would have been that would have been the way to get subscribers. The real elite move is to say stop back next week to make sure Eric's still on the show. <laughs> there it is. Rate and subscribe to the podcast. If you if actually, you know what I'll say is that people leave enough ratings and reviews saying saying that they love me. And by the way, the the number of fans that did reach out uh, was was insanely heartwarming and kind. So kudos to you guys. Um I don't have names readily available, but it was 
it was kind. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you were all great. Yeah, yeah, that's what they said. They they said now that the show's better, we really miss you, but please don't come back. I think it's now that the show is better. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. like like, that happened. (laughs) (laughs) That was definitely the case. (laughs) Oh man! All right. Well, obviously we have Eric here. This this is. uh, I I don't think anyone could be more excited than than Nathan and I. But hopefully, all of you listening are as excited as we are. Um, we are going to be covering some of the draft storylines going top to bottom, uh, how we how we started the draft out with Kyler and finishing off with maybe some risers and fallers. So we'll um, we'll make our way through all of that. Um, but before we get into the really, really fun stuff, we just want to let you guys know that as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 30% off of a Rotoviz NFL pass for the 2019 season. It's available through the NFL podcast homepage. That's rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The 2019 season is, it's almost here. We're, we just got to make sure we're ready. So you can gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools. You get amazing value and you get to support us and potentially Eric. We'll, we'll see how this goes. Uh, once again, that's rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Heck yeah. It's, it is crazy that the season's like, like, coming on like I'm, I'm already scheduling all the draft all the rookie drafts like it's gonna be on top of us before we know it it's gonna be it's it's a good time of year this is a fun time of year and the draft the draft really kicks it off actually you know what really kicks it off is the the drafts in all the kitchen sink leagues that's actually what kicks off dynasty season for me i think you guys as well that's when you know it's getting it's getting to be real. That's yeah. I, the listeners I probably that. don't have that experience, but that's how I, that's how I feel. It's I like, mean, I e- even more good. specific. Uh, Dan and I uh, we have the Kadoosh League, which starts the Sunday after the draft every year. So that's that's really our kickoff. You know, some people aren't cool enough to be in the Kadoosh League, but you know, it is what it is. And yeah. uh, I I did just draft Irv Smith Jr. at two ten in a tight end premium league. So thank you for my horrible teammates or not teammates <laughs> league mates. Well, this is the time of year for value, right? I mean, this is like still the time of year where, uh, like, like uh, Equinus St. Brown last year was going, <laughs> like, because people just like it didn't register that he like fell off the face of the earth in the draft, and they were still drafting him in like the early second round. You know what? Let, let's kick off the show. That's a, a very very good transition, Eric. Thank you. I'm this, the best. This, this year's Equinemius St. Brown, the guy who people are not adjusting for the fact that he went way lower than expected the NFL draft, is one of Kyler Murray's wide receivers, Hakeem Butler. Hakeem Butler went at 401 in the NFL draft, first pick of day three. And obviously he did he has fallen a little bit. But before the draft, he was projected as the 104, 105. And after he went day three, a fourth round pick. I thought he would fall into the mid late second pretty easily, but we, here we are a few days in as rookie ADP is getting established and he's being taken at 112 or 201. I'm not sure I get that. I, I think that there should be more of a discount for a player that was taken day three, um, whether it be concerns that he just doesn't have the separation speed, whether it be concerns that the NFL is going to more of a smaller game that, you know, the big wide receiver that doesn't separate much isn't, you know, the, the top wideout anymore. Um, but yeah, Hakeem Butler, uh, people are, uh, not adjusting properly in my opinion to his draft stock. Yeah. I mean this, this likely, and I, I have a theory about this time of year and I think it is, and, and I, I kind of fall into this category now that I'm not on the show weekly and I've kind of taken a step back from dynasty, but there's people who just like, Oh crap, the drafts here. And then they just go into whatever ADP it is that hasn't updated yet and then still rely on that. And I think that's what that's what you see is like, oh wow, he's fallen. Like, all right, great, I'll I'll draft him here. It's it's I think I think that's likely what you see until like the the new ADP information comes out. And I think I that's think what happened with Equimini and St. Brown too. Yeah, probably. I, I think the really big issue is that people hang on to their pre-draft touts and their pre-draft ranks too mm-hmm. long. Um when the NFL says that they don't like someone as much as everyone else likes somebody. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to be successful. It it just means that we were too high on somebody. And the Hakeem Butler, you know, it it got a little bit out of hand to begin with. A lot of people had him as wide receiver one. Most of them had top three. Um, I was in that top four to six range for the most part, but I didn't see him going that far either. And when he did, it was okay. Slide him. It, the earliest I'm taking him anywhere is going to be like two oh one, and that's that's if all of my guys go before that happens. So the Do fall. We- you know, we, it's 
I don't know. Do we have do we have data of this happening in the past? Because this might this is a substantial fall from grace of like people having him as like the 102, 103, 105 falling to the late second, or I'm sorry, the, the, to the early second is is a pretty substantial fall. I, I I can't recall in the last like six seven years some a similar situation that came up. I think we've seen like Equimania St. Brown, but I don't think he was slated there off the top of my head. I think he was more like late first if I'm shooting from the hip here. I mean, there's another example this year where I'm I'm not sure what Kelvin Harmon's pre-draft ADP was, but I think it was at the very least in the early second. And I'm guessing he's not going to go until the late third, early fourth of most now. He he doesn't have an ADP yet from, you know, the the drafts that are being done right now. Um, So Harmon even had a further fall. I think he was a sixth round pick. Um, yeah, well, I've seen him prior to the draft as being the consensus 108 um, prior. <laughs> so, that, yeah. yeah, he's going to have a much farther drop than than Butler did. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm, seeing, do, I'm seeing him now I as the 212, un, by the way. Un, unlike, unlike Butler, uh, Harmon is seeing the direct fall in ADP. I think he isn't being drafted as high in most leagues. So where, really? where, where have you seen Butler going? Have you seen him in the top five? No, no, no. Butler's been going 112, 201. Okay. I'm yeah, curious. I'm legit curious. I'm about to get into my first one this week. So he's been around the turn. Yeah. Um, the, the really weird thing there too, is going back and talking like comparing Calvin Harmon and Hakeem Butler is Harmon had the kind of long Debbie history because people were drafting him relatively early in a lot of Debbie spots. And, and you'd think someone like that, that kind of has more of a standing value with a lot of the community, especially those that play Debbie, his value would carry on longer than someone like Hakeem Butler, who most people didn't know about uh, other than the folks that really get into deep Debbie leagues that it was kind of a late riser and, and didn't really know much about him until this previous season. And then really didn't know anything about him until the combine. So it's really crazy to see how fast he flew up the boards and then how, how cock, even though it, it, you know, he definitely fell quite a bit and I thought he would have dropped a lot more for most people, but I'm still seeing people on Twitter posting him and, and he's in their top eight or 10 still. And that, that one's, that seems, you know, it's not crazy, but that's definitely too high. Well, I mean, even like the, even like, I don't know. And again, it's your, there's a question of talent, but this wears off really quickly. It seems like this, so this happens like a slider. People are just really stubborn and don't give up. And then eventually they get beaten down in the submission that like, by late May, that the 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 values like over, almost overcompensated the other direction, or when there's no hype coming out of camp, like it starts to fall even further. All right, let's move on to Hakeem Butler's quarterback. That is number one overall pick, Kyler Murray, out of Oklahoma. Uh, we talked about him when we did our rookie mock matrix tricks, 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 tricks. By the way, that was sweet. I appreciate. It. I appreciate. Like that was yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's a good idea. Uh, Innovation. He, he was on our list of, of the, the, the the last man left out. Some people pointed out Philip Lindsay. We left him out. But, I mean, I, I think that neither Dan or I are super high on him. But, anyways, back to, back to Kyler Murray. Um, wh- are you uh, higher on him today than you were pre-draft, Dan? Uh, I think I'm pretty much the same, the same as I was. I, I fully expected him to go one to the Cardinals. I didn't think that was going to change. Uh, I thought they would have traded Rosen beforehand and got more value out of him, but that's beside the point. I think – I think Murray is still easily QB one with a full tier behind him before you get to Haskins and it's a good spot. We'll see what Cliff, uh, what uh, Cliff Kingsbury can do at this level, see what kind of offense he, he brings. But I mean, he got his guy and, and that's basically tailor made for his offense. So with the people that they've put around him, having hopefully a healthy David Johnson and uh, you know, Larry Fitzgerald to be able to teach all of these, these young wide receivers, that seems kind of like option a, um, adding Andy Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson along with Hakeem Butler, who we just talked about. Uh, you got to surround him with talent. So we'll see. We'll see kind of how everything goes. But yeah, I think all all arrows are pointing up for Kyler. Um, I don't I don't have him super super high in the overall dynasty quarterback ranks. Uh, I think he's probably still close to a QB one, if not like that back end QB one. Um, I just want to see kind of what happens. Obviously his, his size has always been a question and, you know, we'll see kind of how he translates to Kingsbury's offense, even though it is tailor-made and we'll see how that offense does in the NFL. But I, I just, I just, you know, I've, I liked Kyler and I'm really glad he picked football. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, and, and just asking a stupid question in, in rookie drafts and super flex, and maybe you guys have talked about it on the show. Is he just, is he is he the, he seems to me to be the clear cut one hundred and one. He's yeah, there. He's, he's locked in. It's not even close. I I, I think that uh, Harry or Brown would have had to go much higher, mm-hmm. uh, or even to like a Colts type landing spot for him to not be the one hundred and one. Um, but no, that that didn't. There wasn't, you know, the primo landing spot or the primo higher in the draft. Yes, first round in the Patriots isn't the worst thing for Harry, but it's right. not good enough to to hop the number one overall pick, Murray. Yeah, I, I think that's clear cut. Where are you guys taking him in, a, in just in a non super flex draft end of the first? I, I still think that's a little high. I, I think that there is a bit of a drop off after much of the day two wide receivers get taken. The JJRC go white sides, the Debo Samuels. Once, once a lot of those guys are off the board, and that's usually around 203 to 204, that's when I'm okay, you know, looking at Kyler Murray versus Devin Singletary versus Damian Harris. So, I mean, I'm not taking him over the, the second round pick wide receivers, but after those guys go, I think that's when he becomes his consideration. Yeah, I think it depends on which one of those guys you like. There's a couple of them that, that I, I do think should be up a little bit higher. There's a couple of them that I think should be lower. So I can see myself taking Kyler if, if the board falls perfectly against me. I could see myself taking Kyler early second, you know, to potentially 201, 202. Uh, ideally, you're taking him mid-second because there's there's still a few guys that, that should be there after, after um, the second round kicks off. But yeah, I mean, the points should be there with the rushing upside and um, we'll see how the passing game goes, but he should have a decent rookie season, assuming health and assuming he's playing all 16. Which, which we've got to be assuming at this point that he's gonna that they're gonna put him out there unless he just really shows to be unready. Yeah, right? I mean, I don't even know if they have a backup at this. I point. was about to say who 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 the heck is on the team anymore? So yeah, all right. nobody. Let's move on to the man who was almost the backup, Josh Rosen. Uh, maybe he wasn't actually almost the backup; that it was never actually a possibility that Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray would share a locker room, but. Josh Rosen on day two of the NFL draft is traded for a late second round pick and a fifth round pick. Uh, For me, I'll start us off. I I see this as a a positive for Rosen. You know, oftentimes when there's a a young quarterback that kind of gets stuck with a, a, a first year coach that didn't invest in him, you know, there's like a bad taste in their mouth. There's like not the commitment to the player. And, you know, Kingsbury showed from jump, he was not committed to Rosen with all the, the, the Murray rumors. Well, now he, you have a, a, a coach, um, whatever the, the guy from uh, Brian Flores, is that his name? Uh, the, whatever his name is, the coach from, from yeah. New England. Uh, he has shown the commitment. He's invested the second and the fifth round pick, and he wants Josh Rosen to be his quarterback, which just having that commitment is one of the bigger parts of the development of a, of a young quarterback. I think it it goes a little bit understated that the Dolphins played their hand absolutely perfectly through that whole process. They they have a big thank you to the New York Giants for being the worst franchise in the world and going Daniel Jones, which allowed Haskins to slide to the, to the Redskins, yeah. who then could take Dwayne Haskins. And that kind of freed up the whole thing for the Dolphins to, to land Rosen. And then they just kept sliding back. They were able to use... Um, one of those picks, they were able to get another one on top of it. I think it was in the Saints trade. Um, it, I mean, they couldn't have played that any better. And like you said, Nathan, they're they're committed to him. Yes, it's only a second and a fifth, but that was their plan the whole way. They just needed the board to fall correctly. I, I believe, I fully believe that they were going to trade for him no matter what. It just depended on how the quarterbacks fell. And if their if their picks, you know, either dropped in value or gained value, things may have looked a little bit differently, but that board played right into their hand. And I really like Rosen there. They've got they've got built-in talent already. And and people might say, oh, they don't really have anybody. Well, you still have Kenny Stills, who's who doesn't get talked about enough. You still have Albert Wilson, who they paid. You have Devontae Parker, who they who they brought back, who was a dynasty darling at one point and just kind of never never took flight under Adam Gase. And you know, obviously, only Kenyon Drake there in the backfield with maybe um, Kalen Balage, Ballage, whatever you, Balage, however, you yeah. however you say it. Uh, but there's there's playmakers there. Rosen's got the ability to you know to make a big leap for his sophomore year. Yes, it's with a new team and a new coach and a new system. But I mean, again, just like with Kyler, I think all the arrows are pointing up for Rosen. Yeah, I mean, watching that situation play out on draft day was was really interesting to watch because there were, what, only three really QB-needy teams. So 
watching that happen, then suddenly the, the Cardinals have like no leverage out of left field. So you're right. I mean, the Dolphins played it. I mean, maybe they got a little bit lucky too, but they played it really well and, and they didn't overreact. So that, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, finish. no so they did, and they didn't overreact, which I think is, I think it was, it was great. And, and that, and Rosen was hands down the best quarterbacks, you know, available. That's not a rookie, like not even close. So I think at that valuation, taking a shot on a, on a first round draft pick a year earlier uh, in a new location with, with a team that, that has a new coach. I, I, I really like it for Rosen and I think it's, it gives him another chance. Yeah. They had the leverage with the other teams taking quarterbacks early, but the other key leverage that the dolphins had is that anytime the conversations were about to break, obviously I don't have, I'm not listening to the conversations, but I'm guessing they probably brought up to them. Hey, if you don't want to do this deal, we're just going to think for Tua because that's always, that has always been the option for Miami. That's been why they weren't going to take Haskins, why they didn't take Haskins. That's why they weren't going to take Drew Locke is because, you know what, we're going to be so bad that we're going to, you know, get a top five pick. And so, you know, yes, getting Rosen for a second, honestly, probably ends up being the better investment there. But they always in the back of their mind, in their backhand, they had the possibility, if you don't want to give us Rosen, we'll just do this. We're not going to be really bad and get a quarterback next year. But there is still that possibility. There still is. Yes. No, this is the best part. The best part is that if Rosen is so bad that the Dolphins get the number one pick, this is going to happen all over again next year. They're going to take Tua, and then they're going to trade Rosen for a second to some other team out of the Bucs. Well, no. (laughs) Well, it's depreciating value, Nathan. They'll actually – he'll be only worth a third at that point, I believe is correct. And then when it happens the following year, he's worth a fourth until he's out of the league. I mean, if if you take three teams to the number one pick uh, three years in a row, you, you should be exiled from, from humanity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get him out. All right. Let, let's move on to our next one. And it's going to be the big boys, the Iowa tight ends. TJ Hawkinson went to the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions invest a top 10 pick at the tight end position once again. And Noah Fant goes pick 20 overall after the Broncos trade down from pick 10 with the Steelers. Steelers get Devin Bush. So uh, lead us off, Eric. What are your thoughts on the Iowa tight ends and their landing spots? I mean, I think that both spots are are, are very good. Um, Matt Stafford likes the third of the tight end. So that that that's landing spot to me feels feels good. Um, and then like we've been trying to make Jake Butt happen for how many years? How many years has this been <laughs> trying to happen? So uh, I think I think with a tight end being taken in the first, I think it's Fant time there. We need some some fun uh, statement about what it's like Fant's turn here. Uh, I can't come up with any clever uh, you know analogy at the moment or nickname. A fantastic form. catch. All right. Yeah. Well. All right. We can keep trying. Uh, what we'll do is we're going to keep trying there. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's Noah fantasy. There you go. But maybe we start playing in on that. You may you might have something there, Nathan. It just needs to be it needs to be worked up. Um, but no, I, I think, I think both spots are fabulous and, and that type of draft stock, uh, in the first round, it's, these are like the players that you trade for next off season when they haven't really done much this year and target them there. This is like, I don't know. It tends to always be my tight end strategy at this point, but I really like the spot for both of them, but immediate value. I'm not sure that that exists, uh, for either of them, but I think the value is coming. I agree. I, I think, I think some people are overreacting to the, Oh well, the Lions just got rid of Eric Ebron only to draft TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> you you got to remember that was a different front office, different team, different coaching, different it's everything. It's also a bad take. Eric Ebron was so bad in in Detroit. Right, he wasn't he wasn't, wasn't utilized properly. He played poorly. He wasn't doing the things he's doing with Indy. This is a whole different situation with Matt Patricia. It's it's not. I mean, it's not even close. And, you, and even if Ebron's good. Like he's not going to be TJ Hawkinson as a blocker at even close. Right. Right. Because this, like we've talked about it before is this is kind of the OJ Howard of the OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, uh, David and Joku draft is TJ Hawkinson. He's, he's the, he's the best tight end in the class from an overall standpoint. He may not be the, you know, he may not be Noah Fant who's just a borderline wide receiver, but Hawkinson's never going to leave the field. And maybe that doesn't equate to targets or, you know, all of the extra stuff. But if he's on the field, that means he has more opportunity to get those targets. Um, And I had these guys back to back as far as overall, you know, you know, in the first round towards the kind of the back end of this class and nothing really changed for me. 
Uh, I did move Hawkinson up over Fant. I had it Fant originally, but um, I had to move Hawkinson up with the with the really early draft status. And obviously, Fant going to the Broncos, who he should have some success there. Uh, he gets to start with Flacco, who can't really throw to left far anyways. So working with a slot tight end works really nicely. And yeah, it's these guys should absolutely 100% be your tight end one and tight end two, if not only for draft capital because of landing spot. There's not even really a tight, like there's not even really a discussion about that though. Right. Like as far as, like, I mean, I, I, I think there are some Irv, Irv Smith believers, but not, not in the, the tier of Hawkinson or fan. Yeah. I mean the, the tight end the every year we do this, the tight ends go in the first round and, People lose faith in the match. See, but no, the tight ends don't always go in the first round. Uh, last year, no tight ends went in the first round, and guess what? All the tight ends were terrible. Well, okay, fair enough. But I mean, yeah, you go back to that Njoku, Ingram. Uh, I'm losing the third one now. Howard, uh, uh, Howard, Howard. I call, almost did Njoku twice, but that draft is like people are they're they're just now starting to become valuable. But those you had to sit on those picks for forever. And now, I mean, I'm sorry, as far as producers, not, not an actual dynasty value because they tend not to lose a ton of value, but um, it is, it is something that if you are, if you are a friendly reminder that if you are drafting tight end in the first round, just have enough roster spots to not drop them in two years. All right. My take on the Iowa tight ends. I think that there are and where they should go in the first round as a byproduct of the number of running backs and wide receivers that went early in the draft. Uh, you know, we only had one running back and two wide receivers on the, in the first round of the draft, which kind of makes them, you know, a consideration as early as like 105, 106, especially in, you know, tight end premium. In a two tight end league, I wouldn't, you know, discourage someone from taking Hawkinson at 103. Um, but, you know, I, I think that with the lack of draft capital from some other players and their capital, especially Hawkinson going top 10, I think they belong in that 105 to 108 range, you know, very easily. And I, I think that they're worth the weight. They're worth the, you know, not relying on the, oh, there's always next year to buy them. I, I Yes, it often happens with the tight end. But when there's someone as good as Hawkinson, I'm not necessarily, you don't necessarily have to uh, lean on that. Agree. Agreed. All right. Hi, Rotoviz fans. Allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. It's been 10 years since the FFPC filled their first dynasty league, and they've now grown to be the world's largest dynasty league commissioner with leagues as high as $5,000 to enter. FFPC leagues are active and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded. Not a single one. Brand new startup dynasty leagues are forming right now, starting at $77 and up in standard, superflex, and best ball formats. FFPC also has plenty of other great redraft formats, including best ball drafts starting at $35, all the way up to $1,250 entry fee. Both slow and live leagues are filling and launching daily. So get on in, ffpc.com. Man, you do those reads well, Nathan. That's nice. Oh, I appreciate that, Eric. Not not everyone uh, agrees, but, you know, the haters. Yeah, no. I mean, as someone who used to do these reads, I can say that, I mean, you've really you've really shined those talents these days. I mean, you used to read them terribly, but that that was good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next topic, and we briefly talked about him a little bit. Nikhil Harry, he was uh, – he saved my first-round draft night uh, for those that tune into the ShotCast – uh, a uh, Google Hangout with a bunch of fantasy guys every year. Um, I was very sad as someone who has lots of, uh, you know, picks and money invested into the 2019 class. It was not looking pretty uh, before the Harry pick with one wide receiver taken, the old uh, injured wide receiver Marquise Brown, and the running back who didn't ever produce at the college level. So it was not, look, not looking good, um, but my night was salvaged by my 101 before the draft. And then my consequentially my 101, as soon as the draft was over, as soon as the first round was over, Nikhil Harry gets taken by the Patriots. Might not be the best landing spot long term, but, you know, it's great short term. And he's a good enough talent that I think that, you know, he, he will shine with whoever the quarterback is in the post-Brady era. Slash if Belichick is still there, I'm sure the Patriots will figure out how to win with the Matt Castles of the world. So uh, well, were you as happy as I on the Harry Patriots pick, Dan? Uh, I mean, yeah, because that 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 locked in a 101 because otherwise people were going to have to be reaching for Marquise Brown or, you know, I, I don't I mean, Josh Jacobs to the Raiders was like the most like I would have bet the farm on Josh Jacobs going to the Raiders. It just that one was had been tipped, 
long and long ago. Um, and you know, worst case scenario, that's, you know, you're getting a, a bell cow for probably two seasons in Oakland. We'll see how he pans out, but he's at least going to get the touches, but yeah, getting, getting Nikhil Harry to, I mean, one of the top, what, five potential landing spots uh, is really hard to beat that. And some people were still like, well, the first round too. Yeah. First round capital, perfect spot. And some people were like, Oh, still we could, you know, some, one of these other guys goes to the chiefs or the Colts. It's like, no first round capital to that team in that situation, 100% locked that in. Now, if somebody went like a couple picks later to a better spot, I would have considered having someone up there, but again, no one really got close to it. AJ Brown was kind of in the realm. Um, JJ Arcega whites, I think surprised some people, but, yeah, it was it was nice having yeah, at least a top two or three receiver for what seemed like just about everybody get to an obvious locked in one oh one spot. Yeah, and there's I mean, there's gotta be a pretty big teardrop there between Jacobs and Harry at this point, because I mean, are we saying Jacobs is the one oh two? I mean, that's yeah that's going right now. That seems yeah, it seems pretty obvious that Harry's gonna be there and just and and Nathan, as you mentioned, people were so high on him, you being one of them prior to this draft that he was a name that uh, was exciting. Cause we have, we've talked about it on this show. I think even when I was still on it, where it is, it was such a log jam at the top of this draft class that the one one didn't even seem to have its value. But I think that the one one has solidified itself as valuable at this point, or, or at least more valuable significantly than the one Oh two as it's tend, tended to be in the past, but I'm not sure that that was a lock to happen based off how this draft happened. So my thoughts on the uh, Baltimore wide receivers are that they are the perfect combination of high draft capital to go with people underestimating them because of the perception of the Baltimore Ravens offense, the perception of uh, Lamar Jackson and development as a passer. Marquise Brown went in the first round higher, higher than, higher than the fantasy industry expected about where the NFL draft industry expected. Miles Boykin went a little bit higher than I think most expected as well. And so both, both guys go, you know, solid draft capital, and they're going to be underrated because people are so dead set on the, the Ravens being a running offense. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think both are good values right now. I think the big thing with with Hollywood Brown and why people were more down on because his, his tape was good. He had, he had a nice a nice college career. I wouldn't say he was like any, any elite college prospect, but the big thing I think for a lot of people, and it was for me too, is was the Liz Franck. Uh, injury you know we, we've seen a lot of guys come through that and never be the same and never kind of return to grace um, with you know Samuel Watkins had it, I believe Dez had it and he kind of never really returned to what he was um, so I think that's the scary part but the draft capital makes you believe that none of that should really be as worrisome I still believe in Lamar Jackson as a passer obviously his upside is his legs but I think he's going to be I mean, at the very least, average as a as a passer. And, uh, I mean, yes, they're going to run the ball, but this also isn't going to be the same offense they ran last year. Last year was, hey, we need to get this guy snaps in the NFL, and what's he most comfortable with? Well, running the ball or running that type of – How confident are you of that, though? I mean, I, I don't know that I saw that, to be honest. It, he Lamar Jackson, just in general, scares the heck out of me. Does it seem like they were like, all right, uh, it was like almost like they tin Tebowed him. They're like, all right, uh, we'll just make up plays that are what your they're your style. So I don't know, maybe maybe I'm too low on him, but I don't know. He's it's very much scares me. Well, the, anybody the in that between, between those two were you have a guy who's in up in the playoff hunt, so that they're they're not they're more focused on you know winning football games than developing the passer you know and Tebow was the same thing where the the team was good enough to be in the playoff hunt so you know we're not worried about developing his passer let's just run the ball a million times just so we can you know keep the ball away and have you know play good defense and also Lamar Jackson is ten times the passer that Tim Tebow was <laughs> just just to be oh, clear yeah, no it's it's yeah, just to be fair, I'm not actually making a comparison of the two. Right, no, I got, I got The comparison I'm making is the way that it felt like the coaching staff like was literally unsure of what to do, that they're like, well, F it, we're just going to let him run the ball or or throw the ball. Really, whatever you want to do, man, just go out there and uh, and call the play. And that that's almost how it felt last season. Yeah, I can see that. I, I think, like Nathan said, I think they were just more worried about winning games and, and you know trying to get as far as they possibly could with – what essentially was a one-dimensional offense, even though it was still relatively explosive with, you know, whether it was Gus Edwards or whoever they had back there with Lamar Jackson and still getting a couple of wide receivers involved here and there. Obviously the volume 
wasn't there. And I'm not entirely sure that there there really ever is going to be a high volume passing game. But that doesn't mean it can't be efficient. I mean, we've seen, and obviously, I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson can be Russell Wilson, but we've seen what a low volume, high efficiency quarterback can look like, and you get QB one seasons out of Russell Wilson. So, I think I think it's not the worst thing in the world for Marquise Brown or you know for the offense. Um, I was really liking Miles Boykin as well, and and this one I think because he'll be de facto wide receiver two just off the bat. Uh, plus, if you mix in the tight ends and whatnot, he may slide down that. Um, and then you throw the right, uh, running backs in the mix and all of that fun stuff. I, that one was tough because I was I was really open to be able to steal Miles Boykin in a lot of places because I thought he would get drafted about where he did. I just was hoping it wasn't going to be the Ravens. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like both of these guys. It's a little bit frustrating because you can almost guarantee that the volume is never going to be there, at least the high-end volume. Um, and it, it really, really depends on how Lamar Jackson develops as a passer. And that's, that's a lot of big ifs and a lot of kind of scary spots to be. So I'm not entirely sure I'll have much, if any Marquise Brown, I'm sure I'll still have some miles Boykin. Um, but I think the underrated value here, and I know we said Ravens wide receivers, but justice Hill is a sneaky one. I think he's still going a little bit late for where he should be going. Where are you thinking he should be going? It looks like he's going right around the two ten or so right now. Where yeah, where do you where would you put him? He's late too. I would go early too. Um, I mean, I really like Daryl Henderson, but even if Gurley's not a hundred percent and he's getting a little bit of those touches, I think the potential for Justice Hill because of the no name backfield that is Baltimore, other than Mark Ingram, who happens to be old hashtag old and hasn't really been all that great. um i feel like justice hill could honestly be a uh, he could he could get involved in the game early um yeah i like do you think he'll buy in this situation huh i said so you think hill's the buy out of the ravens right now you think everybody else is right around the right value and then hill's the one that's undervalued significantly yeah, I think Boykin's in that comfort zone where I'm fine taking him where he's being valued. I think Hill could be moved up a little bit ahead of Damian Harris, ahead of Devin Singletary, uh, guys like that. And then I just think Marquise Brown's going to be so hard to buy in that mid-first when there's other guys like Paris Campbell and Debo Samuel and um, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, even the tight ends potentially I would take there just just because of the landing spots. Um, it's Yeah, it, it's I don't know. I want to believe in Lamar Jackson. I'm just the, the volume's tough. Yeah, Justice Hill does seem like we, we talked about how your your early takes or your pre-draft takes can stick to you earlier in the process and then you can fade away from them as the process goes on. I think that Justice Hill will be going higher in you know July, August where he drafts than he is now because you'll see the training camp, oh, he's getting the most of the touches, or you know, there'll be more blurbs about it. And so, you know, people will see that immediate production, they'll see run heavy Ravens offense. And I, I guess the one thing that could, you know, tamp, uh, temper that would be, you know, if, if it just looks like Ingram's going to be the man there. But and he is for the most part. But I, obviously, he'll he'll has some some a chance to take some of that opportunity. It's very interesting. Random kind of off topic question: um, Who do you think is going to be the darling that is is super low right now, and the hype train starts, and we end up drafting him in the first round? Somebody like the, I'll call it the Kenny Galladay, where he was very middle of the second, late second, and climbed up to like the 108 by the time draft season was done. Maybe Damian Harris? I could see that. Even someone, even someone like, like, well, no, that wouldn't make any sense. I mean, Calvin Harmon could, you know, if we hear a whole bunch of stuff about training camp and how he's going to be their wide receiver one and things like that, because it, it could happen. That was the preconceived notion that Harmon was going to be in this nice class of wide receivers and then just fell off the pl- face of the planet. Um, I, I think he could have a big rise, but yeah, I, I really like, I really like the Damian Harris one. Well, actually, nice. now, that you, now that you mentioned Harmon, it could be McLaurin because people get excited about the Haskins to McLaurin connection. Um, you know, and he, he did go on, he did go on day two much higher than Kelvin Harmon. So, you know, some people might start with that connection together and say, Oh, they're just going to throw Haskins is just going to throw to his college teammate. Interesting. 
All right, let's wrap up the show. Uh, run a little bit long, but that's because Eric's here. Uh, Eric always likes long dynasty trade cast. Everyone knows that. Let's see what he was editing. Um, oh, dude. Well, this is the greatest thing of all time. I, I shout out to our editor um, <laughs> or y'all's editor, whatever. I mean, shout out. <laughs> all right. And we've had some outtakes as well. Uh, but, anyways, let's wrap up the show with one of the bigger stories of draft weekend, and that's the fall of DeKayla and Metcalf. Some people in as early as, you know, January, February, having Metcalf being picked in the top 10 of the NFL draft. I feel like that started to get a little bit lower and lower and lower as we approach the NFL draft. But I would say most of the industry's mock drafts had him going in the twenties, maybe even at the end of the first round. I don't think anyone had him going at the end of the second round of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Dan, what do you make of the fall of Metcalf? Well, um, I mean, it's it's one of those things where someone was either going to fall in love and take him too high or the board was going to adjust and the skill position players were going to fall kind of like they did altogether. And then it became, well, you know, J.J.R.C. Whiteside found a home and Paris Campbell found a home and Debo Samuel found a home. And, and the guys that I'm guessing were all probably ranked closely on a lot of these folks' boards where with DeKalen Metcalf, um, you know, aside, I think Nikhil Harry is probably on the top of most everybody's board aside from the Ravens who obviously wanted Hollywood Brown. So I think, I think the board adjusted about around later because of the way kind of everything fell. So, I mean, he got a really good spot. I will say that. Yes, it was the third and, and late in the third. Um, but it's a great spot with, uh, on a team that has, almost no depth you know we hear the, the stories about um, Doug Baldwin potentially uh, being done and the only other the only other competition in town is Tyler Lockett and I think I think Metcalf can slide right in right away and play that that alpha wide receiver one role yes he has a limited route tree we know all about this yes he was he was injured for a lot of his college career didn't really have a true breakout yada 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 He's an athletic freak that if they can keep him on the field, he's going to be a force. Um, it's I really like it because it it slides him down draft boards and allows him to be cheaper. And now people are going to go and take Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs and AJ Brown um, and all those kind of guys, and you be able to get to Kalen Metcalf in that one hundred six to one hundred eight range, maybe lower depending on your league. If if people you know kind of get taken over by draft capital and things like that, and you might see him taken after Debo Samuel and after um, Michael Hardman and all those kind of guys, so I I think it it stings uh, a little bit because he was one of my favorites um, coming in just because of the athletic freak that he is and the potential that he brings. He's got the highest ceiling of anyone in the entire class uh, and arguably the lowest floor just because of the injuries and the limited. The limited work on uh, in college because of the injuries. So I don't know. I, I really like, I still really like him. I love the landing spot and I'm not moving him down a whole ton, but uh, he'll be, he'll be mid first for me now. Yeah. It looks like he's right around the one Oh five right now. Um, I don't know. I mean, to me, this strikes me as the Tyler Lockett buy time to me because people are people on Twitter are just obsessed with Metcalf. Um, I, I, I'm not as convinced that agility score scares the crap out of me. He's an athletic freak, but I just don't know that he can get open. And you, you said it earlier in the show is the giant guys who can't create, can't create that separation and juke guys that I, I worry about it. I really do. His, his agility though, if you look back, a lot of the bigger receivers didn't even, even run those drills or if they did, they only did them at their pro days and things like that. Uh, it, it doesn't worry Maybe. me as much because he's able to blow people off the line with his speed and and strength. He doesn't yeah. need he doesn't need to be an um, an amazing route runner because he can beat everybody with physicality. So, uh, I mean, it's that yeah. it's that meme three cone drill that that kills me. <laughs> That's what it is. Is it stuck in my head? Like looking at it, I'm like, wow, that is a really awkward, really awkward movement. Yeah, he never should have run. He never should have run the agility drills. Uh, again, like a lot of the big explosive, like you know, muscular wide receivers hadn't in the past. Uh, there's a reason they didn't run them because they knew they weren't going to be fast, and they knew it would hurt their draft stock. So I, I, that was a mistake he made. Um, and, I mean, you can't maybe take not. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's still. You're absolutely right in what you say. Like that, the, at 105 in this particular draft, that's right around where you should be taking it for the upside that he brings to the table. Right. 
Yeah, my, my, my take on Metcalf is that a fall into day two isn't necessarily as impactful as a, as a fall into day three or even late into day three. Um, so I, a team still made a significant investment in the second round pick in him, and it's a team that is devoid at wide receiver with the, the Doug Baldwin injury. So uh, I, I do like Metcalf, but I think that I do like him at the discount. I, I'm, not, I'm not looking forward to taking him at the 104 or where he was being valued before. Uh, I'll, I'll take the discount on him, but if people start to, you know, go back to where they valued him before, then I'd be passing. I mean, the thing is, like, with the way – I feel like everybody – he's going to be the one this year that every league is going to have a guy who just overreaches for him. It just – that's – I don't know. He's, like – he's bad dynasty player fodder is what he is. Like, somebody's going to – like, that's – he just lo- – he looks so sexy from the metric standpoint that somebody's going to overreach for him. I, I just don't know that I, I mean, ever see there's, there's a number of scenarios where Metcalf ends up being a very good NFL player and a very good draft pick. So, I mean, totally. I, I, I think he has a low floor, but I also think he has a number of ways to be successful. And Definitely. By, by the way, I'm not, not saying, I'm not saying that that's, yeah, I, I, I'm completely on board with that. But that is why he's, that is why he is the 105, not the 102. And he's, he's, I'm going to say now too, he's going to skyrocket the second that Doug Baldwin actually does retire because I feel like that's the path this is going. Uh, people are still holding out hope that he's coming back. Uh, obviously, it would suck to see a career end that way. But when he does inevitably retire, Metcalf's going to shoot up into that 104 spot again or higher potentially just because of the potential volume. And, you know, with only, Lock- again, with only Lockett there and then whatever running game they're going to have, that's it. You don't have any any battle for targets. Yeah, and I, I love Lockett right now. He's He seems to me like the buy in that, in that, uh, in that wide receiver core. And they can coexist, though. That's that's the beautiful thing about it is oh, they totally. absolutely can coexist. So I think I think you're right. I think Lockett definitely is a really nice buy right now because people are freaking out. People are panicking. Um, not probably to the extent where like if they drafted somebody in the first and in the second, and then all of a sudden now they still have Tyler Lockett. But bringing in Metcalf, you know, it, it definitely puts that in the back of your mind. So uh, I think both of them whether it's Lockett at his sliding price or Metcalf at his mid to late first price, I think both are are definitely buys on my board. Alrighty, that'll wrap us up for today. Uh, I, I teased you as our biggest guest in Tradecast history. Uh, Eric, how did it feel to be a guest on the nice Tradecast? It feels a little weird because, I mean, especially as the old host, it's a little bit strange to, like, not be doing transitions or ad reads. But you know what? Deep down, it felt pretty good. felt good. I can be the goofball. I, I don't have to be the guy who keeps the train on the tracks. I can be the person <laughs> who intentionally derails this train, drags on the end segment so long with his just just you know speech about how he's going to drag on the end of the show. I can do that. I saw it coming out of you, though. While, while we were talking, there was times you, you went into question guide to, hey, let's get this segment moving, and I got it. You, you put us on your backs a couple times right there, both of your backs. I mean – well, I guess, I guess what I'll say is old habits die hard, as I guess what I'm trying to say <laughs> is, I mean, to be a terrific podcaster like myself, it's just something that just doesn't, it, it just, it just sticks with you. Even when you haven't done a podcast in like two months, I mean, it just, it just radiates out. of. I, I basically wake up in the morning and shower off all of this amazing podcast ability, and then it comes back by the end of the day. You, you, I will say you have not lost your humble spirit. Oh. Down. That's never going anywhere. That is <laughs> on my dying day. Nobody's gonna be like nobody's gonna be like Eric was. He was very humble. Like that is you know. I'll probably hop out of my casket and say the most humble is how humble I was. I was the most humble. That's gonna be on your tombstone. I'll make sure of it. <laughs> the most humble. All right, I'm down. Great father, the most humble. There you go. Uh, well, I appreciate you guys having me on the show, and and just so the listeners know where they can find me now. It's probably nowhere unless you're texting me. I. I'm on Twitter here and there, but, um, you know, I'm getting back into it. Dynasty is sucking me back in, but, um, you know, as you guys mentioned on the show, the priorities kind of fall out of line, but it's been real fun to hop back in it for an evening with you guys. So thank you for the opportunity. y'all. We couldn't be happier to have you. Um, well, uh, I guess with that for Nathan, Eric and myself, uh, Eric, we love you and we will see all the rest of you next week. All right, Kadoosh. Ha ha, suck it, Nathan.
All right. Well, I've hijacked the show. Let's do this thing, Dan. I now <laughs> finally pulled Nathan's mic. Nathan, if you can hear us, you died, I think. Well, at least nothing's changed on the trade cast. That's good now. <laughs> nope. Death taxes and Nathan's internet. Or maybe they'll get some of that new fancy DC internet in Fairfax. That would be There you go. Fiber oh, yeah. for everyone. Oh yeah. Oh, they've got the oh, they've got the Verizon Fios. It is so ill up there. Oh, man, that makes me jealous. I hate Comcast so much. Just think you could be talking to yourself right now. <laughs> That's true. I, I actually, I many times caught myself doing that because I'd be like, "No, we're leaving it in. We're leaving it in." And then that's I would hear myself saying that. I'm like, "Well, I guess I guess he said that's what we're doing, so we're leaving it in." That's the old F it. We'll do it live. Yeah, we'll do it live. Well, because Nathan always just immediately goes to a second read. I was like, "No, no, Nathan, that was hilarious. We're leaving that in. Just roll with it." Dude, I'm glad you guys got an editor. That's I'm gel. That sounds that sounds legit. Yeah, I said that. I almost fell out of my chair. Oh my (laughs) god! (laughs) Nathan, what are your thoughts on this draft class? Oh yeah, he's just he can't uh, he can't come with words. I guess. No. All right. right. If you have bad takes, say nothing. (laughs) If you're actually bad at dynasty, say nothing. If you like trading for future picks too much, say nothing. Uh, oh, got him. Unplug it and plug it back in. <laughs> Is it plugged in? Okay, so plug it in. <laughs> plug it in. It was so fun. We, we, anytime we have computer issues, the um, we have to call in the IT guy that works at City Hall because we're a, we're a city golf course and okay I was like, that, what does this have to do with your golf course so, so they have to come up and fix our stuff and and like every time we talk to him he's like did you try unplugging it and plugging Hello. it back in he's back he's alive so they he asked you to plug it and plug it back so, in so, yeah he always he's like all right did you try unplugging it plugging it back in because that's like his first like you guys are idiots just do this quick and then so the, the other day he came out and he was like he was like, yeah, I'm just not really sure what's going on with it. We tried, we run a couple tests. I'm like, did you try unplugging it and plugging it back in? <laughs> he left. The thing is, the end of the show is the place where you just got to, you know, you got to wrap it up. You got to decompress. You got to have a good time. That's we got to right. talk about Metcalf's abs. I mean, he's just. They're lovely. Just exquisite. Exquisite. Abs I will never have. That is 100% true. <laughs> The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.